0: Uh, if you have your Bibles, open them up to uh, Matthew chapter 13. We're in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look in verses 31 and 32. So Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. And as you are turning there, there was this uh, businessman that showed up in a pastor's office. And this is a pretty common occurrence for a lot of pastors and ministers. But uh, And he's walking in, and at this point in life, he's desperate. I mean... Um, he is uh, He's running this company and it is not doing well. And, and uh, things are just going sideways and south on him. And so he goes in and uh, he tells the pastor, Hey, listen, things are so bad. I am contemplating suicide. I just want to get out of it. And I can't, I don't know what to do. What, what do I do? And the pastor looks at the man and says, Oh, ye of little faith. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a chair. I want you to go out to the beach. When you get out to the beach, I want you to take your Bible. I want you to open it up and let the wind rifle through the pages. Okay? Let the wind rifle through the pages. And then once the wind stops and the pages settle down, look down and read the first thing that you see there in the Bible. And it will tell you what to do. So the man got up and left. About a year later, the man showed up. Boy, he's in a nice Armani suit. His wife is dressed to the hilt and all Versace stuff. He's got his kids, they're dressed and they're all dapper. He, He walks in, he sits down there in the pastor's office, And he says, Pastor, thank you so much for your advice. And the pastor, he hadn't seen him for a year. And then he recognizes the guy. He says, man, I remember I talked to you a year ago. And the guy reached into his coat pocket, pulled out a big fat wad of cash and just slid it across and said, hey, I want to give this to the church and just say thank you for your advice. Of course, the pastor, remembering their conversation, knew that this guy was on his down and outs with his company. He didn't know what to do. And he said, no, wait a minute. I gave you some advice. And he goes, yes. And the pastor said, so you went out and got a chair, right? And the guy said, yeah. And the pastor said, you took it to the beach, right? And he goes, yeah, I took it to the beach. The pastor said, you went down and, and you took your Bible. And you sat down in that chair and you opened it up. And the, and the guy said, yes, I did. And he said, and you let the wind rifle through the pages. And the guy said, absolutely. And the pastor said, well, I got to ask when the pages stopped turning and you looked down, what did you read? And the guy said, the first thing I saw was chapter 11. <laughs> so come on, guys. Come on, guys. You'll get it. You'll get it. If you don't get it, just just wait a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the deal. Okay. I can tell you one thing. I can tell you one thing that I learned this year or learned last year for for Justin, just for, for me personally, and that is faith. I learned about faith, about trusting God. And, and when you say, hey, listen, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there. Uh, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then looking in Scripture, what does Scripture always talk about? Scripture's always talking about putting our faith, putting our trust in God. And not putting trust in myself or what I can do, but rather trusting in Him and what He can do. And so this year, what's scary is, is I trusted Him last year. And I put my faith and trust in Him last year. Now this year, I'm expecting bigger and greater things, but that's because my faith has grown. And that means simply I'm going to have to trust God more. And in this parable, uh, it's a famous parable in Matthew chapter 13. It's the parable of the mustard seed. And Jesus says this in verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Faith is defined by Webster's Dictionary as this, confidence or trust in a person or thing. That's how Webster's Dictionary defines faith. Confidence or trust in a person or thing in christian theology faith is defined as this the trustful human response to god's self-revelation via his words and his actions christian theology defines faith like this the trustful human response to god's self-revelation via his words and his actions. And so from this passage on faith, I want to encourage you as we go into twenty twenty and as a as Dr. Caton's going to come back next week and start a new series called The Rebranded Man, I want to just kind of start this year and talk about faith, because I don't know about you, but sometimes my faith begins to wane, my trusting God begins to wane, not for my salvation, but rather for the situations that are going on in life. And I'm going, God, I don't know how you're going to pull this out. God, I don't know what you're going to do. God, I, I have no clue what's around the corner. And so there are three things about faith that we see. And the first thing is this, is that faith like a mustard seed starts small. Faith starts small. In verse 31 it says this, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Now the seed that Jesus is talking about is called a Palestine black mustard seed. It's a Palestine black mustard seed. Now it is not the smallest seed in the world the orchid seed is the smallest seed in the world and I've heard pastors preach this and they'll say the the mustard seed is the smallest seed in the world no it's not okay the orchid seed is the smallest seed in the world however the mustard seed is the smallest agricultural seed in the world it is the smallest agricultural seed in the world it is the smallest seed farmers use for food and who is Jesus's audience his audience is a bunch of farmers and so when Jesus says faith is like a mustard seed they understand the mustard seed is the smallest agricultural money producing seed that we can plant and he qualifies it he qualifies the mustard seed as being the smallest seed because he says hey listen guys He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. In other words, this seed is being used for commercial production. And it is smaller compared to all the other seeds used for agriculture. And if you didn't know, and if you don't know, the mustard seed uh, is used for a lot. I went into my wife's pantry this morning and kind of rifled through all of her spices. I couldn't find any mustard seeds, but I did find mustard powder. Okay. And all mustard powder is, is when you look at it and you read right there on the label, it says 100% mustard seeds. What they do, they took all these seeds, they gathered all these seeds, they ground it up, and then you take that powder and you use it. Now, how many of y'all know what you use mustard powder for? Anybody know? Or even mustard seeds, huh? Barbecue, Barbecue, that's right. You mix a little mustard powder with a little garlic powder, add a little this, a little that, and you're good to go. Back in the old days, what did they do? They used mustard seeds a lot for their olive oil. So they'd take that, dip their bread in olive oil, and to add a little flavor. You know, I don't know about you, you ever been to like Carrabba's or uh, Maggiano's or anything like that? They give you the olive oil, and then what do they do? They give you all that stuff that you put in there, like garlic and all these other spices. Well, that's a spice that a lot of people would use. But it is the smallest agricultural seed available. And like a mustard seed, and just like any seed, nothing starts big. Right? Am I right? Nothing starts big. Everything starts with humble beginnings you know great companies start small bill gates started microsoft does anybody know where in his garage small and humble beginnings facebook does anyone know where facebook started out huh online yeah (laughs) College, yes, it started in college. It started in his dorm room with a couple friends going, hey, this would be a, a great idea. And so what did Zuckerberg do? He sat down and he started typing out the code. He did it in his dorm room. Coca-Cola, that creates the greatest drink ever. Diet Coke, okay, is the sweet nectar of life. It's what we will all drink in heaven. Diet Coke is the greatest drink ever. I don't care what you say. Here's the deal. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of argument going on, I, I, I hear that. Diet Coke, where did Coca-Cola start? It started as a, a medicine at a drugstore, at one small local drugstore in a small town. Online gaming, my, my uh, 11-year-old is hooked on uh, Fortnite. Which I hate. Whoever created Fortnite, you will be judged. But that's a different argument and story. But understand this, though. Online gaming started with about four MIT students that were bored. (laughs) Can you imagine being bored at MIT? They were bored at MIT, and so they started playing online. And they just started these games, and these games started just by simply typing out stories to each other and now what do we have we have xbox and playstation and online gaming and all these things and now there's a whole new sport coming out that uh... people are getting involved in is online gaming as a matter of fact i met a guy who said yeah my my child moved back into the house he's in his uh... he's in his twenties and uh... he's trying to get on a team for online gaming that's what he's doing I'm like Okay, well, hey, if you can go out and make money doing that, great. But who would have thought that those four MIT students back in the early 80s that started typing messages to each other would have developed into its own gaming Sport. So greatness starts small and it starts with the little things that we do. Our faith is the same exact way. It starts with the belief that God is there and is the creator and it grows into salvation and then into faithfully living and serving God. Jesus further illustrates the practice of faith in the small things like. As the mustard seed grows, so does our faith. Our faith does not immediately grow and become big and strong. A great example of this is I was... um, uh, I was out over New Year's and we were cutting firewood. And I love power tools. How many of y'all love power tools? And one of the things I love is a chainsaw. You know why I like a chainsaw? I like a chainsaw because there is death on the business end of that thing. You know what I mean? And if you are not careful, you could lose a leg, an arm, a finger, or your life. You know what I mean? And I, I just, I get a rush out of having a chainsaw. I mean, I'll fire it up, and I'll just stand there and be like, you know, uh, is anybody with me on that? Is anybody with me? Am I the only one you're okay with that? I mean, I just love having a chainsaw. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, we were out there. We were cutting firewood, and, uh, and, we, were, and we were falling this tree, and I was out there, and I was, yeah! You know, I was, you know, I wasn't doing my nails like Gene was. I was out there cutting wood, and the tree falls. And the buddy that's with me, he walks over there and he looks down there at that tree and he goes, "Man, look at all the rings on this tree." And I just said, "Well, hold on a minute." And so we got over there on the stump and we started counting the rings. Next thing I know, this tree's 37 years old. It took me like five minutes to cut down this tree. And four of those minutes was just jabberjohn about cutting down the tree. It took me one minute to slice that tree. It took 37 years for that tree to grow, and I chopped it down in just a minute. It didn't take very long. But that tree, it took time. It started out as a seed, grew into a sapling, and then into a full-blown tree. And 35, 37 years later, guess what? I'm out there chopping it down, using it. For firewood, but faith starts small and it grows. We say, Man, I want to be a man of faith. Well, guess what? It's got to start somewhere, but it needs to start small. Second Corinthians 10 15, Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of the work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. As your faith continues to grow, Once you ask Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life and you depend upon Him for your eternity, our faith should continue to grow. It should continue to grow and influence others. You know, we read about the great great men of the Bible like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You have Daniel who's in the lion's den. How awesome is that? He gets thrown into the lion's den. I ain't worried about it. God sends an angel and closes the lion's mouth. You have Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What do they do? They get thrown into a fire. Joshua and the children of Israel. What do they do? They march around the wall of Jericho and the walls come tumbling down. Jericho is defeated without a sword being lifted. Moses led the children out of Egypt. And we have faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation it starts small why was Daniel thrown into the lion's den and felt so confidence why why did Shadrach Meshach and Abednego why were they able to march into the fire and not even worry about it I'll tell you why it started with their diet think about it it started with their diet back when you read in Daniel chapter 1 2 & 3 what happened The children of Israel are are captured and they take all these Jewish men and they put them in the king's court. And what did Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say? They said, we won't eat the king's food. We're going to stick to our diet. There was a little bit of faith. that said, we trust God and we're going to continue to obey Him. It was because they started just by what they ate. They were able to say, hey, listen, We're not going to bow down, Shadrach, Meshach. and. We're not going to bow down to the idol. Go ahead and throw us in the fire. We're good with that. What did Daniel say? I'm not going to stop praying. There's only one God to pray for. Go ahead, throw me in the lion's den. I'm I'm completely comfortable with that. You know why? Because God has proven himself over time. You have Joshua. The walls came tumbling down there around Jericho. What happened? For 40 years. He saw God's faithfulness time and time again with the children of Israel. He saw God's faithfulness. A.A. A. Hodge said this, faith must have adequate evidence, else it is mere superstition. Faith must have adequate evidence. Or have you looked in your life and said, Hey, you know what? In the past, God has been faithful. And so now, as God is asking me to take even this bigger step, is He going to be faithful in this? Even though it is bigger? The answer is, is absolutely. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11, 1. Let me repeat that verse. It's such a great verse. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's assurance about what we do not see. It's a great example of a lady, an elderly lady, who loved the Lord. She'd walk out on her uh, front porch every morning and say, praise God, what a beautiful morning. Praise God, what a beautiful morning. Of course, there was an atheist that lived next door to her and He would walk out and be like, Lady, there ain't no God. And every morning she'd walk out and she'd say, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! What a beautiful morning! The atheist would continue to say, There ain't no God. There ain't no God. Don't worry about it. Well, the elderly lady fell on hard times. And she was outside one morning. She said, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! What a beautiful morning! But something happened, Lord, and I need groceries. And I'm trusting You to provide them. Of course, the atheist replied and said, There ain't no God. Don't even worry about it. The next morning, the lady did the same thing. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm trusting You, Lord, for groceries. I have faith that You will provide. This went on for a couple more days. And then finally, the atheist said... I'm going to go get me some groceries and drop it off at her house. So the next morning he went he got groceries, dropped it off on her front porch. The lady walked out and she said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The Lord has provided groceries. And the atheist jumped out from behind a bush and said, ha, the Lord didn't provide those groceries. I did. To which the lady turned her face up to heaven and said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Not only did the Lord provide groceries, but He made the devil pay for them. (laughs) Faith always begins small. Trusting God always begins small. If we can say we can trust God with our eternity, if we say we can trust Jesus with our eternity, then why is it so hard to trust Him with our business dealings, with our family, with our wives, with the decisions that we make? Why is it so hard to trust Him in all these others? If we can say, Lord, I trust You, that one day when I breathe my last breath, I will be in Your presence. Why is it so hard to trust Him with everything else? It starts small. Secondly, We see this about faith uh, in the mustard seed. Given the proper conditions, faith like a mustard seed has it the disposition to grow. Given the proper conditions, a seed and this mustard seed has a natural disposition to grow. In verse 32 it says this, "...and this is the smaller of all other seeds." But when it is fully grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree. Any seed that you plant, and given the proper conditions, it will grow. Any seed you plant, and given the proper conditions, it will grow. Will grow. People say, well, why go to church? Why study the Bible? Why come on Wednesday nights? Why show up here on Tuesday mornings? It's early. Why sit here and listen to a boring preacher sometimes? Because these are the proper conditions for us to grow. Attending Bible studies, sitting down and having a meal together, breaking donuts together, corporate worship corporate worship hanging out together having a good time showing up on Sunday mornings to hear the word of God and by the way sometimes sometimes and I I've, I've been a pastor, I've been a senior pastor before. I know sometimes the preaching gets boring. I know that. Sometimes I've been up there preaching and I'm going, "Man, I'm bored." And I'm the one preaching. But you know what I've discovered? That even sometimes in the most boring uh, a monologue from a pastor, there's still a nugget of truth that they say that impacts my heart, impacts my life. And once I discovered that, I, I learned there's no preacher that's boring. There's nothing said that comes from the pulpit that's boring when it is God's. Truth and I still learn something. I still and it still changes my life. And God's truth and God's word still changes my life. Praying for those who who are sick, asking God that He might heal, praying for miracles, all these things, and all these things that we do, these are the conditions right now. You are in a situation that is a good condition for your faith to grow. You're here with a group of guys that love God, you're here hearing the Word of God right now. You have your Bibles open. You're listening and telling. These are conditions that help you grow in your faith. As we grow in Christ, so does our faith. And we need good conditions for our faith to grow. You say, man, I just want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. Well, you need to be in the right conditions. Okay? Ephesians three sixteen through 19. And I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how high and how long and how deep and how high is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness, Of God. Paul writes there in Ephesians what kind of conditions we need for our faith to grow. Verse 17, that you trust God in faith, being rooted and established in love, and that you love God. Right there. What's the first condition, man? That you're rooted and established in God, and that you're rooted and established in your love for God. Man, do you love God? Most of us, most people that attend church, they like God. They like God. And there's a difference between liking God and loving God. Is there not? There's a difference. Here, Scripture doesn't tell us to like God. Scripture tells us love God. Verse 18, together with all of the Lord's holy people, that you fellowship with one another. There's another good condition. You want to grow in your faith? Be around other men of faith. Be around other men of faith. You want to grow in your marriage? Be around other married couples that are rooted in Jesus Christ. Verse 19, And to know His love and be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. When we do these things, our faith in God will not only be encouraged, but it will also grow like a seed and like planting a seed in the good soil, watering it, fertilizing it, giving it the right amount of sunlight and rain, our faith will grow. Many people try to have faith in God when tragedy happens. A lot of people show up in our offices and they haven't turned to God, but they only turn to God when tragedy happens. You know, for us as Christians, men of faith, I would encourage you, man, begin to grow in your faith. And when tragedy happens, you don't have to come into a pastor's office to find encouragement. It's very easy to turn to God and say, man, God, I know you have this. And I trust you. And I trust your plan. And I trust in what you're going to do. And I trust at the end of it. And when we get through and when we weather this storm, you're going to get all the glory. And you're going to get all the praise. You're going to get all the honor. Not only that, but everything's going to work out. It's going to work out. Mm. Third and finally about this little mustard seed is this, is that faith like a mustard seed is productive. I didn't really like this one. Faith like a mustard seed is productive. It says this, Jesus says, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Faith is a game changer. Faith is is a game changer Jesus mentioned earlier that the mustard seed grew larger than any other garden plant any other agricultural plant it is the mustard seed that grows the largest the palestine black mustard seed can grow to a height of 15 feet grow to a height of 15 feet that's like two justins and then some okay that's justin the taller Okay, that's like two Justins and then half a Justin. All right? It's like Justin's the tall... Do what? Or one Zach. Yeah. If you don't know his son, Zach, he's a he big boy. Anyway, I don't know what you're feeding him. I think you got him on the juice, but that's another that's another sermon. Anyway, so this seed that's so small, so little, it grows into the largest agricultural plant that they use... At that time. And when you look at it, look at the mustard seed and look at what it produces. First of all, the mustard seed, Jesus even mentions this. He says, it produces a place for the birds to nest. So it's a place where the birds can come and rest. Think about this this thing is so tall, 15 feet tall at least, so it grows up to 15 feet. That's big enough. If I need shade and it's hot outside, I can go sit under there its branches provide shade it provides shade for the traveler if he's walking by it provides shade for the farmer as he is out there working not only that but this tree also produces more seeds okay so it produces seeds so that the farmer can go and harvest these seeds the farmer uses those seeds takes takes them to market guess what at the market he sells those seeds and he is able to provide a living for his family he's able to provide food on the table clothes on their back a shelter a roof over their head okay but not only that he can take these seeds he can replant those seeds and those seeds will then produce what more trees and so we not only just see a mustard seed but we see a way of living we see a way of shelter, we see a way of reproduction. And so faith does not just change one area of our life, faith changes multiple areas of our life. The faith that we sing about, the faith that we preach about, the faith that we teach about in church is the same faith that we use in the office with our spouse, With our children, with our finances, with how we conduct ourselves, and how we live daily life. Our faith is not isolated to just this campus and just this room. Rather, our faith permeates every aspect of our lives. The things we talk about here are the same things that we go to and we apply in the office. The same things we talk about here are the same things we go and we do in the household with our spouse, with our children. i got—I got to tell you this. Uh, one of the worst things about being a pastor is having your own sermon used against you by your spouse. That ever happened to you? I hate that. Because my wife will pull out like a sermon I preached like two years and go and be like, "Remember that sermon you preached?" And I took notes, honey? <laughs> that stuff that you taught the congregation you need to apply right here. Yeah. yeah, ouch. Uh-huh. And I tell you what that makes me mad, but not only does it makes me mad, it also makes me appreciate my wife because she's right. Because the stuff that we talk about here applies to us in every aspect of our life. Our faith applies to every aspect of our life. You know, just real quick, there's faith in healing. Mark 5, 34, and he said to, his, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. What was it? It was her faith. That healed her. Mark ten, fifty-two, and Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began to follow him on the road. When people are sick in the hospital, what do they ask for? Number one, hey, would you please pray for me? It is because of faith that we have healing. Power. Scripture t- talks about saving faith. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We do not gain peace with Jesus. We do not gain peace with God by trying to pay Him off, by trying to do good things. It is only by our faith that we have peace with God. Faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.16 Know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Right there. Right there. Written in black and white. Galatians 2.16 If you have any questions, I know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by the faith of Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Meaning that because we trust Jesus Christ, we are forgiven of our sins. Scripture speaks of faith giving us confidence in all things, because we know that Christ is faithful to us in all things. Hebrews 3, 6, But Christ is faithful as the Son of God over God's house, And we are His house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and hope in which we glory. My prayer for you, my prayer for myself this year, is that God would stretch me in the area of faith. That He'd stretch me in the area of faith. That He would ask me to step out just a little bit further, to stretch me just a little bit further not so that i could gain anything but so that he could get the glory and so that he could prove himself to me and the only reason why i'm able to do that is because it started small it started little bitty and so for some of you you might say man i need to be a better father i need to be a better husband i there are certain things i need to well take that small step of faith it's not all going to happen A great way to start, men. I'm just going to give you a few suggestions. First thing, you want to become a better husband, a better father? Start by first just simply taking time to pray every night with your spouse. Pray every night with your spouse. Can't encourage you to do that enough. Just just say, hey babe, let's just take two seconds. Two seconds. Get down on your knees right there at the couch or at your bed. And just say, okay. You start, you punt, I receive. (laughs) And um, I tell you what, my wife and I, full disclosure, my wife and I started that about eight years ago. And you know what the problem was? And here's what I hate. I was a pastor at the time, and she she said, I'd really love it if we'd pray together. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll get to it. And I put her off for like a year. You know why? Because it was just so odd. It's just so odd. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, I mentioned I mentioned to her. I said, "You know what, honey? We we haven't uh, we haven't prayed in a, in about a week together." She goes, "Yeah, I know things feel a little off." And you know what I said? And this was a mistake. I said, "Well, we'll just wait till after we get back from vacation." Uh, Well, hold on. She didn't say anything after that. And then last night, for the first time this year, uh, I said, all right, babe. I said, let's do the family devotional. We did the family devotional. Sent the kids off, and she was getting ready to walk, you know, walk into the room, uh, walk into the TV room just to fetch out. And I said, hold on, hold on. I said, we need to start back praying again. We need to start back praying again. And she goes, oh, I totally forgot about that. And it was a good time for me to say, ha, gotcha, I'm more spiritual than you. Don't. But I didn't. <laughs> but here's, here, here's the deal. Is, you know, when, when we got down on our knees and we started praying together, you know, our prayer was about asking God to do things that would cause us to stretch our faith. That directly correlated to what I was going to talk about this morning. About God, we want to see you do big things. God, we're trusting you. God, you're going to ask us to take some steps of faith. Prepare us now so that we can be ready to make that leap. And we wouldn't even think twice about it. We'd just go and do it. But you know what? We couldn't make that prayer last night if we hadn't started eight years ago. We had to start praying together eight years ago. And if I could, I could stay here all day and tell you the stories of God's faithfulness, just because we started eight years ago praying together, we've seen God do some great things. Amen and amen. So that's my prayer for you. If you can, if you have the ability, just get down on your knees. Uh, we're going to close out here in prayer. So if ever, man, if you could just kind of get on your knees there. If you can't do it, I understand. Dr. Caton will be back next week. I'm looking forward to seeing him. I haven't seen him uh, in a while. and so. Uh, but thank you for allowing me to be here. And thank you, Dr. Caton, for allowing me the privilege to bring God's Word. I'm going to ask my good friend, Keith Thompson, if you would, please. Could you please call out our prayer this evening or this morning?